Thank you, gentlemen. Let's turn to the book of 1 Corinthians again tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. And once again, we'll uh, get our message from this chapter. Uh, I enjoy when uh, the Lord certainly gives you something from the Word of God. And uh, often I will prepare a message and then I'll look at the passage of Scripture again and say, well, that's interesting. And then I'll look at it again. That's interesting. And before you know it, we, we're six months into a series, and so uh, we're not going to be six months in a series on this. This is, I think, the sixth message I've preached from this chapter. I'm planning on it being my last uh, for now, and, uh, but uh, I'm going to do something tonight that I don't often do. I'm, I'm going to let my guard down a little bit, and I'm going to speak a little bit from my heart and use some personal illustrations uh, to kind of uh, illustrate what I believe uh, we can find in the heart of the Apostle Paul. Uh, you cannot have ministry in a vacuum. And I think sometimes we, we have the, the system in place that we have, which is not a, a, a wrong system. When you, you, go, you go to Bible college, you prepare, or, or you, get, you learn some things about ministry. Uh, ministry is not about ideas or textbooks or things of that nature. Ministry is people, as we were reminded this morning. And uh, what an amazing thing that God allows us to share our life with other people. Uh, you, when you decided to become a part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, when God led you here, He was leading you to a place where you could serve Him. He was leading you to a place where you could be spiritually fed, where you can be helped, leading you to a place where we could do something for the cause of Christ through His church and reaching those around us. Uh, he was leading you to a place where your children could uh, learn the things of God and grow up in a place where they could uh, be taught the Word of God. Uh, but He was also leading you to a place where you would share your life with other people. And you would share your experiences, you would share your highs, you'll share your lows, you'll share your challenges uh, with other people. No matter how private a person you are, when we are with each other two or three times a week, uh, we get a sense of what's going on in each other's life and what a, uh, God intended for it to be this way. The Apostle Paul, and we've looked at this several times, and we look at his writings, and certainly inspired of the Spirit of God, but you cannot take the personal element out of the, the letter that he writes. You cannot take the, the, the personal element of the Apostle Paul and how God uses men and how God uses their personality. God uses their experience. And so tonight I want us to look at the last uh, few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And everything I said may make more sense in a minute. If it doesn't, well, we'll just, we'll just try again next week. Verse number 19 of 1 Corinthians 16, the churches of Asia salute you. Now, I'll take 20 seconds to remind you he's writing them. They're expecting him. He's not coming now because of a great open door. And uh, now as he's instructed them in some things, he's coming to the end of the letter with his, his greetings. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. The title that I've given the message tonight is this, When Paul Gets Personal. 
He gives his instruction. If you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, there's, it's Bible, so obviously there's a lot of instruction in there. There's some stout things that the Apostle Paul, there's some firm things that the Apostle Paul deals with. But you sense the humanity and the love and the compassion and, and, and it's personal with Paul. Not personal from a vendetta standpoint, but a personal from a relationship standpoint. And we see it bleed through in his uh, greetings, as you will, the end of these letters. And so uh, I've given this a title, When Paul Gets Personal. Lord, help us tonight as we consider a few truths from these last few verses. May they be a help and a blessing to your church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Recently, I have found myself becoming nostalgic. I don't know if anybody else is that way. Uh, I believe there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, there are some milestones coming up in my life, uh, one of them being uh, age. Uh, I believe my mother passing away has something to do with this. I'm going to be a grandparent for the first time, and it's going to be awesome, let me just tell you. Uh, it's, you. You think of those things. In January, to be 11 years as the pastor, uh, having grown up in this church, and you begin thinking of those things, and certainly, as I've already reminded us, we you you, you share experiences together, and you get to a certain place in life, and you begin to think about some things, you begin to appreciate some things, you you reassess your goals and things that you want to do with your life, and uh, experiences that you want to share. Uh, recently, as you know, on November 30th was the grand opening of the Amanda Ranch. Uh, I use this to get to a point that I want to share something that, you know, God has reminded me in my heart. Almost three years ago, Dr. Don Chitty approached me and told me of the next several years as he was planning and preparing things in his ministry uh, for whenever he was not the pastor. He is not getting any younger, as we we all know. and I remember this, sitting at the Waffle House in Eufaula, Alabama. You were there when he brought it up. I was like, well, I guess we're going to talk about this right now. Uh, in front of everybody, he explained to me he wanted me to have half, half of the ranch, and that would be a help to him, and uh, there would be some money that needed to be raised, and, and I could use this uh, house and ministry as, as, I, as I saw fit, and and uh, after listening to him, I was very quick to say no. My reason was not that I didn't want to help him. Not that I didn't feel that this is something that God in the past had wanted to do. My reason for this is because logically, in my mind, it was going to be very difficult for me to pastor the church we, it's April of 2020, we had relocated not too long before that. We were attempting to build. The following July, just a few months later, he and I were sitting at the seafood restaurant on Normandy Boulevard. He brought it up again. I, again, said no. I was worried about being distracted from pastoring. I love to pastor. I love being your pastor almost as much as you love me being your pastor. I immediately said, no. 
I was worried. I didn't want to do anything to distract me from all that was, I was expected to do as the pastor. That October, just a few months later at our conference, he brought it up again. Uh, this time, I said I would pray about it. Approximately five weeks later, I took the first few people to the ranch and with me, and I told him yes. Um, afterwards, and I don't please take this with the heart I'm saying it, there's many well-meaning people who would say, Pastor, don't spread yourself too thin. And I appreciate that. So if you were going to say that to me tonight, I'm not telling you not to say that to me. Uh, I would respond, I'm trying my best not to. Quite frankly, being transparent, I was very worried about getting pulled in too many directions and my heart not being 100% where I needed it to be. Not long after that, the Lord began to put uh, several other things into motion, the camp ministry, aviation, all these different things. It seems like in my mind I had it organized. I can take this year to do this one and this year to do this one and this year to do this one, and that will get us to 2030, and then we'll have plenty of time. And God said, nope, here they all are at one time. This past week, uh, having a few extra days to reflect, well, at the Amanda Ranch, well, that was certainly a monumental thing uh, as a ministry of our church and something personally that the Lord did uh, in, in my life. And, 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 and I believe the Lord's going to use that in a great, great way to help a lot of people. But I had some time to reflect and think and I thought about how much I loved my church, how much I loved the people who work alongside of me. A dream of 15 years had been fulfilled, and to God be the glory. I also reflected on the reality, and this is where I want to get to, that God put in the heart of so many others to help fulfill this dream of mine. God used the open doors to put an even deeper love in my heart for all of you. I hope this makes sense. That which I was concerned about drawing me away has actually made my heart grow stronger in the love and appreciation I have for the people that God has given me. And when you think about it, it makes sense that you cannot love people as you can unless you serve alongside of them. And as I reflected on this, you, you, it's, it's, it's a reminder that you, you can't do a great work by yourself. You and I would say the Apostle Paul did a great work. I think we could agree with that. Certainly, he didn't do it in his own flesh. Certainly, it was the, the power of God. It was the Spirit of God. It was, it was, God did all of that, but through him, we would say the Apostle Paul did a great work. But I, I find in these details of these acknowledgement and the compassion and in, in, in the, in the heart that you can fill him right with, that the Apostle Paul was very aware that he did not accomplish anything, first of all, without God, Second of all, of, without the people that God put in his heart. 
he writes to these Christians in Corinth and explains, as we know, and we've looked at this very many times through the past weeks, that he's not coming. There's an open door of ministry. And certainly my mind thinks of that as God used the open doors to put a even deeper love in his heart. And certainly I can relate to that in my heart for you. You can't do a work in, for God without one another. And that's the great thing. That's the great, uh, one of the great things about the local church. And I'm thankful we have a church that we don't just show up on Sunday. We go home and we, we don't ever serve together. We don't ever do anything together. We don't ever uh, have any uh, uh, victories together. And certainly uh, I have a unique perspective of growing up in this church. Being the pastor here for some time now, I think it'd be safe for us all to say that we've laughed together sometime at each other's expense, but we laugh together, we've cried together, we've suffered loss together, we've celebrated victory together. I'm saying all that to say I find some things in Paul's personal greetings and admonishments that I can relate to, I trust that you can relate to, that I think are good reminders for a church like ours, who we do have a heart for one another. And the importance of having that heart for one another, and I'm going to be very quick tonight, first of all, I want us to see that Paul's acknowledgement reveals their importance to him. Look at verse number 19. We know he's mentioned certain individuals, but then in verse number 19, he says, the churches of Asia salute you. Now think about this just for a moment. And again, number one, Paul's acknowledgement reveals their importance to him. He says, the churches of Asia salute you. That salute is a recognition. That salute is an acknowledgement of something well done. I wonder what those Christians at Corinth, who we know they had problems just like we have problems. But Paul thought enough about them that the, he writes, the churches of Asia salute you. They say, well, pastor, that's interesting. That's great. But why would the churches of Asia salute them? Well, I draw the conclusion it's because Paul has talked positively about them. And in spite of the help they needed, in spite of the shortcomings they had, Paul had a love for them and spoke positively about them to the fact that the churches in Macedonia would salute them and say, well done. We send our greetings to you. This reminds me of what I say often to Many of you who come for counsel and you, and you have problems and you needs, I'll often say after hearing what you're dealing with, I'll say, you know, after hearing this, you're doing better than you think you're doing. You're doing better than you think. You see the shortcomings, you see the difficulties, you see the failures, but you're doing better than you think you're doing. So his acknowledgement reveals the importance because the churches of Asia salute you. Look at verse number 19. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. Aquila and Priscilla were two of his ministry companions who served alongside of him, who helped him, who had opened up their homes so a church would have a place to meet. These are significant people. And the fact that Paul had spoken to them and say, they salute you. 
way Paul's acknowledgement reveals their importance to him. You know, people who are important to you, you talk about them. And let me say, not in a negative way. I didn't say you gossip about them. I said, you can't help but talk about them. By the way, did y'all know I'm going to be a granddad before too long? See, see how that works? You think it's bad now, wait till after. I'll have pictures up for the screens on the board so you can see the likeness and all of that. But when people are important to you, you talk about them, you talk to others about them. Uh, number two, Paul commands that there be nothing between one another. This is so important in the church. A church that is as close-knit as ours, every once in a while, will step on somebody's toes. Literally, but figuratively as well. We'll accidentally get in each other's business. Two kids are going to get into a fight. Something is going to, somebody's going to say something that they think is funny that you don't think is very funny. Or you're going to say something that you think is funny that they don't think is very funny. But Paul does not command, and the Bible does not command us to never, for those things to never happen because we're humanity, they're going to happen. But we're reminded in many places, and I'm going to point out here a verse, that something that he says that on the surface you'll not see it, but when you think about it, you'll see that he's commanding there be nothing between one another. And friend, you and I as a Christian, you and I as part of his church, we need to be reminded that boy, we, we don't need to carry a list of offenses with us. We don't need to be reminded, well, this is what, how about some grace? How about some mercy? How about giving everybody, I have a policy that I hold myself to as I pastor and as I deal with people in our church, and it's this, everybody has the right to be human. What does that mean? We're not always going to be on top of our game. We're not always going to say everything the way that we should say. Sometimes life is going to, it shouldn't, we ought to, we ought to yield to the Spirit. We ought to always be on top side. But sometimes we don't do that. But you know what? We ought to give the benefit of the doubt. See, Pastor, where does he say that? It's in verse number 19. All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Now, this greeting was the custom of the day. If we liken it to our day, it's a handshake. Or in the case of Miss Ruth, it's a hug. <laughs> that is the greeting. You know, it's kind of hard to mask your feelings, negative feelings of somebody, if you're going to greet them the way you should greet them. I'll use a hypothetical I'm, I'm going out a side door. I'm not going out that front door because I don't want to have to shake the pastor's hand. Now, if you go out the side door tonight, I'm not going to assume it's because you don't want to shake the pastor's hand. I'll be offended by that, but I'm just going to... You understand what I'm saying? Or I, I, I've got some feelings in my heart. I'm going to avoid them so I don't have to greet them. Or it's handshaking time, and I know sister so-and-so sits back there, or brother so-and-so sits over there, and 
And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little upset that we wouldn't say this. We wouldn't say I'm upset. Then we say they've offended me. So I'll avoid what Paul is saying. You better keep your greetings the way they should be. It's hard for us to greet as we should greet if we have something in our heart that should not be there. There should be nothing between one another. Friend, let me remind us, let me help us tonight. It's not fair for us to put the standard of perfection on our brothers and sisters of Christ when we, won't even, we don't hold ourselves. And by the way, you shouldn't hold yourself to that standard. We're striving to be the best, the more like Christ that we can be. But friend, we, we're all humanity. I'll confess it to you. The pastor's not always going to be on his A game. The pastor's going to, there's going to be some things fall through the cracks from time to time. And there's going to be some times when I try and crack a joke because I, you know, I'm trying to put a smile on your face and you can get offended by it. I'm not perfect. We're humanity. We're going to make mistakes. But Paul is saying when that happens, don't let the division come in the church. Don't let there be division. It's hard enough to battle the world. It's hard enough to carry your burdens for us to have to, well, i got to go to church, but i got to face so-and-so. If you've got something in your heart towards somebody, let me, let me help you with that. Fix it. Well, I can't change their personality. Work on yours. I can't change the way they feel about me. Change the way you feel about them. Well, how do I do that? I just can't help it. Let me help you. I'm glad you asked. Pray for them. It is impossible. Do you hear me? It's impossible to have hatred in your heart towards somebody you pray for. You just won't pray for them if you have hatred in your heart. It's impossible to have those feelings of animosity towards somebody you pray for. It's impossible. Say, I don't believe you. Try me. And if you come back to me and say, Pastor, I prayed for them for six months and I still hate their guts, I'm going to say, you're a liar. You didn't pray for them. Because if you did, you wouldn't hate their guts. He said, make your greetings. Man, it's one of the sweetest, warmest times of coming to church is seeing people. You know, the ushers have their little group telling their, you know, corny jokes. And you have these over here, these over here. You know what? It's, 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 it's part of the funnest part of the church day. Is seeing one another. You know, for 15 years in a row, I see Brother Brian Hall or Brother Jimmy Taylor. The Dolphins going to win the Super Bowl this year? And it's no. <laughs> Except this year I asked you, this morning I asked you, Brother Jimmy, are the Dolphins going to win the Super Bowl this year? He's like, yeah, buddy. So there's optimism in the air. Optimism. It's part of the warmth of church and a church family. Paul commands there be nothing between one another. Number three, Paul warns of the consequences of being deceived. Look at verse 22. It's a simple verse but powerful meaning. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ... Let him be anathema maranatha. What that means, that word anathema, and you combine it with that word maranatha, that means that somebody, simply put, simply put, is taken and set aside 
for the judgment of God. And what Paul is saying, if any man, he's writing to them, speaking among you. Love not the Lord Jesus, let you be set aside for the purpose of the judgment of God. What, what does that mean? He's, he's not saying that, you know, we always say, well, I love the Lord. But what he's saying in the context of how we show we love the Lord, holding to the truths of the Word of God, simply put, what I believe he's saying is he's warring against apostasy. He's warring against letting deceivers come into the church and listening to them teach something that's contrary to the Word of God, letting somebody come in and create division, and you listening to them and being outside of the fellowship. And friend, it is a dangerous thing, and a, it, there are consequences of being deceived. That's why you ought to pray for your pastor, and, and you ought to do the best you can as well to walk, watch over some false doctrine, some false direction, some doubt being planted in the hearts of an individual that they might be deceived. Because if we give up the truth, we are giving up the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot say, I love the Lord, but yet I do not adhere to his teachings. That is the context of what he is writing. If any man loved, because Paul could write this because he had been beaten for what he believed. He had been imprisoned for what he believed. He would lose his life. For what he believed. Well, there's a warning there of the consequences of being deceived. Friend, be careful. Don't, let some, don't be deceived. I had not intended to say this, but it comes to my mind. Be careful of what you read and see and listen to on the Internet. Not every YouTube preacher is one that you ought to be listening to. You say, well, Pastor, what YouTube preacher should I be listening to? You looking at him. I'm your pastor. Reverend so-and-so with a YouTube channel is not your pastor. I'm your pastor. Well, I read this blog, and there's some good stuff in it. You need to be careful with that. I'm not saying everything that's out there is bad. I'm just saying that this is God's church. This is His local assembly. He has an under-shepherd here, and we need to be careful not to be deceived. Well, I set these same parameters and standards on myself. I'm very careful who I will read after. I'm very careful what meetings I will attend, what meetings I will even preach in, what meetings I will even have anything to do with. Why? Because I do not want to be influenced in any way that would take me in a different direction. It is a serious, there are consequences. There are a lot of people who think they're intellectually superior, who really in the context of what the Apostle Paul is saying, they're being set aside for God's judgment because they allow themselves to be deceived. We need to be careful with that. And then number four, Paul just expresses his, his, his personal feelings toward them. Look at verse 23 and verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. It seems like a simple admonition. God bless you. But think about those words. Is there anything better that can happen 
to us or to a brother or sister than God blessing them? There's not. It, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's something we say. But God bless you. Grace be with you all. Is there something more precious that we can have than the grace of God? Well, that was Paul's prayer for them. That was Paul's desire for them. But notice what he says in verse number 24. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, he expresses his love to them. You know why it's so hurtful, it's so painful when somebody leaves the fellowship because they had been deceived? It's because there's real love involved. There's real feelings involved. Paul loved them. Well, I may have faults and failures, but let me tell you, I can stand here today with a clear conscience before God is my witness, and I can tell you, I love you. Well, I, I have strong feelings about some of you. Some of us not love, but I do. I do love you. But you know, we all should feel that way about one another. You don't have to like somebody to love them. You don't. So don't come tell me that I love you, Pastor. I don't like you very much, but I love you. He expresses his feelings toward them. And as I preached this morning, what would it do for our churches and for our world if Christians would get addicted to just serving each other? What it would do if we as God's people allowed the love of God to work in our hearts to where we loved. I believe this church does love each other. Paul expresses those personal feelings to them and how it must have encouraged them. I don't even know what to think about this message. It's what God put on my heart. When Paul gets personal. You can sense the personal feelings of Paul as they seep through in his writings. He could be stern with these Christians because they knew he loved them. He could rebuke because they knew he loved them. And after the first of the year, I'm going to begin a series on Sunday morning on charity and on love. And I hope it reminds us where that love certainly was exhibited in God sending His Son. But love is a necessary thing as we attempt to reach the world and we minister to one another. It's an important thing. It's a key thing. You know, it's... As I mentioned, I've been getting nostalgic. And I've lived here in this area, and I've been a part of this church since I was six years of age. That's a long time. Many of you I grew up with, many of you watched me grow up, and you're just as shocked as I am that we are here in this situation today. One thing that kind of summarized it for me this, this past Friday, just a couple of days ago, I had the privilege of doing the funeral for Miss um, Robin Jones' mom. 
And I was reminded of growing up here and the Joneses, many of you have been members here a long time. And Ernest Jr., uh, that's Ernest Sr., the old one. Ernest Jr. and I grew up together. And I worked in the bus ministry as a runner when I was in elementary school. And if you don't know what that is, you're the kid on the bus that says, run up to that door, knock on that door, tell them the bus is here, and run back. Thus the name Runner. Now, I was not the walker. I was the runner. But I worked in the bus ministry, and it was the bus that picked up Ernest Jr. Ernest Jr. is the same age as I am, so that lets you know how old Ernest Sr. is. And he and I in elementary school became good buddies. We wrote, you can vouch for this with, with Brother Ernest if you don't believe me tonight. We, we, we rode the bus together. We went through children's church together. You know, we, 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 we ran every, we had our own gang. You know, it was us. I mean, we, we, we did it all together. So I remember Saturdays coming to, to that apartment complex and different places and visiting. And, and we, would, we, 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 we became Sunday best friends. And, of course, as life you grow up and his military career and all of that, and I didn't even know that Ernest Jr. had parents because I never saw him. That sounds weird, doesn't it? I mean, obviously he did. But, of course, members of, of, of the church here. And Friday I had the privilege of doing that funeral service. And I remember as I waited by the, the cemetery, that is a graveside service, and I remember when Robin and Ernest got there and Robin came up and gave me a hug and thanked me for doing the service, and Brother Ernest thanked me for being there. A few moments later, Ernest Jr. shows up and he embraced me. And he said these simple words, thank you for doing this. You say, why, why am I getting emotional about that? Because my mind went back to two knuckleheads riding a church bus together, sitting in children's church together, sometimes winning the quiet seat prize. No, we never won the quiet seat prize. <laughs> sometimes sitting in the sin seats. I don't know if that's still a thing. Sometimes, in the, you know, that was... You know, whatever, they picked on us back then too. My mind went back to all of that. And I thought to myself, who would have ever thought that 35 to 40 years later we'd be standing at a cemetery and I'd be doing the funeral service for his grandmother. What a blessing it is that God allows us to live our lives together. What a joy it is to love one another. When you, you could have never, if you had told us back then this was going to be the case, and, and if I would have been on that church bus eight, nine years of age, We've been conspiring together to get an extra bus treat. 
I'm a bus worker, and I'm helping, you know, get the extra bus treats, you know. And I said, you know, Ernest, I can see the future. Years from now, I've never even met your mom and dad, but I'm going to be their pastor. We laugh about this. We joked about this recently, and he just said, yeah, I wouldn't have come back. <laughs> I said, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Hey, the point I, I'm, I'm making is, man, don't, let's not take for granted the relationships we have when we have them. I say this not with pity. I say this with sincerity. I feel sorry for people who don't have a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I feel sorry for Christians who even attend this church and they hesitate to get all the way in. The very people who you make yourself vulnerable to are the very people who will be there to help you in those times when you need help. I love the Apostle Paul. I love his boldness. I love his, the life he lived with power. But I've learned to love the personal touch of the Apostle Paul. I've learned to love the humanity of the Apostle Paul. I'm working on, I don't know if it'll be a sermon or something I'll write from the perspective of Paul sitting with Priscilla and Aquila mending tents. And from the thought of what did they talk about? Who did they talk about? The humanity, that personal touch. I don't rob yourself of making relationships with brothers and sisters. Don't be the, first, the last one in, the first one out. Man, all the extra activities and different things, if you can be there, be there. You, you, you make those relationships. Hey, if you haven't been a member of the church, well, you say, I just, I just don't know where I fit. I don't know. You just keep coming. You'll eventually fit. I mean, every, I mean look at all the weirdos who did find a place to fit. We, we, we all fit in God's family. And make yourself available to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. I don't know how to end this. But other than say, I think heaven's going to be a little bit like that. And all those that we got to serve with, we lost touch with through the years. But oh, what a reunion that's going to be. Father, we think of these.